Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. this preacher of the gospel, Mandy Holloway, to come and minister to us. Would you put your hands together one more time as she comes to preach? Let's give that to God. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done and what you're going to do. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. God, hide me behind the cross and let your people hear what your spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name. Well, you may be seated. It has been such an incredible time. I, I, I love it here. I love Franklin. I want to move to Franklin. I love it. I told my husband, I just want to drive up and down the streets and pray and door knock every house, but we got to get a church to invite them to first. So I, I'm ready. I'm coming back and I'm door knocking. Even if it's by myself, me and my husband, we come in. We come in to help. This is, I know God wants to do something so awesome in this church and in Franklin. And so I want to thank uh, the Nolling family for having us. It was, um, I think by accident, originally we thought that God had me here, but we know that is definitely a God thing. And so we are so grateful. Um, and I want to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Josh Malonsaw of House of Prayer Church in Thibodeau, Louisiana. For those of you who don't know, I told them Friday night, the ladies, so Louisiana is the shape of a boot, and we are at the very bottom of the boot. So that's what we say, we're at the bottom of the boot. And, um, and it's the Gulf of Mexico, so you cannot get much further south than us. So I'm loud, uh, we're loud, we, we say Cajun things mixed with our English words, and um, we're not like super educated people, as you'll know in the first five minutes, that I just love Jesus, and I know I once was bound, and now I'm free, and I once was blind, and now I see, and that's what I know. That's what I got. So nothing fancy. I didn't go to Bible college or anything like that. I was Catholic my whole life, and um, the Lord just saved me, um, and as you heard Friday night, just a remarkable Saul to Paul experience, and I'm just forever grateful, and when he gave me this truth, filled me with his spirit, I was baptized in Jesus' name. I, I told God, I said, I will not meet one person that does not hear this truth. If I meet somebody, they're going to hear this. I want everyone to have what I have and experience what I experience. And about um, 10 years ago, he woke me up in the night and said, I called you to preach this gospel. And so from there, um, I was already teaching Bible studies, bringing people to church, but he woke me up in the night and I said, Lord, I already am preaching your gospel. He said, no, I've called you to preach this gospel. And he said it with such force and with such power. And I felt like a shift behind me, um, like the spirit of go. And so um, I've been doing that ever since. My husband was born and raised uh, on the pews of the church, I say. He was birthed on the pews of the church. And I was not, definitely not. So it is a unique dynamic. But um, I'm so grateful. I honor him. Everyone calls him Papa Shea. He's an amazing man of God. He is the right-hand man of our pastor. He handles all the church finances and wisdom and knowledge and of our pastor. And um, I could not do what I'm doing. I first submit to him and our pastor and to God. So I give honor to my husband today, who is my, my preacher. 
he always acts like he doesn't preach, but then he comes in the car in our house and like drops these truth bombs that are like mic drops. And I'm like, okay. He's like, you're my congregation and that's a big enough congregation. I don't need anyone else, he tells me. So, um, but when I started, um, it was very unique. Before I left, I went into our intercessory prayer meeting and Sister B, the prayer warrior of our church, she, they called me up to pray before I was leaving for Indiana. And she, they all anointed me with oil and prayed over me. And then um, after that happened, we continued praying and interceding for all these things. And then Sister B called me back up and she had me sit in the middle of the circle and she had every person there, about 40 people, um, with their backs to me linking arms. She said, I feel to pray a hedge of protection over you. This, there's something that's gonna happen and you need the hand of God's hand of protection over you. And these people went off just warring, interceding for protection around me. And, um, and then right when I landed here, I, I got a text from a prophet and they said, um, the enemy knows you have landed in Indiana and he is not happy and he's about to bring forth a roar that is to intimidate and put fear, but you roar louder than the enemy. And then the next night, we're in the hotel. Well, Friday night, to God be the glory, a lady got delivered. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe so many lives were changed. God moved in a, an awesome way. And so we went to the hotel and we heard this loud, like, siren sound now we have hurricanes we don't have tornadoes so i'm like is the air condition broken what is that loud we can't go to sleep like this like I'm, we gotta get this fixed and it's this loud wailing and then we get a phone call that we need to return like the whole hotel has to go to the first floor because there's tornadoes coming i'm like so that was not the that was not the ac this was a hurricane happening i mean a tornado happening so we're like going so i grab my bible my prayer shawl and like kids are crying it's almost midnight and um, the, the electricity is going off, on and off, so I text the prayer warriors of our church, and Sister B, the head prayer warrior, she said, I knew it. I saw something destructive coming, and I felt to, to cover you in prayer. And so she said, but the spirit realm is stirred. The spirit realm is stirred, and that is what you're experiencing. The spirit realm is stirred. And so I want to tell you, when the Lord moves on you to pray for someone or something, like literally, I believe the pictures that were sent to me 10, mile, 10 minutes away, that would have been our hotel had people not prayed and interceded for the hand of God's protection. So I give God all the glory and honor and praise. But... Um, when I got this call to come preach here several months back, the Lord kept giving me one word. He kept saying, a remnant, a remnant. I'm looking for a remnant. And so I began to seek the Lord and study out remnant. And the Lord brought Isaiah 10, 20, and 21 to me. If, if y'all have it, you can pull it up. If not, it's okay. Um, it's coming. That's good. That's good. So we're loud in Thibodeau, so y'all got to say amen and clap and shout, or I'm going to feel real awkward, okay? So well, that's, just, that's just how we are. We're Cajun. My husband got five crawfish in a crawfish etouffee Friday night. They were so pumped to feed my husband Cajun food. <laughs> they paid 13 bucks for five crawfish, and um, 
He's like, babe, there were five crawfish in the etouffee. He's like, we put five in just each spoon bite of the etouffee. So we said, okay, y'all coming to Thibodeau, and we're going to show y'all how to do crawfish etouffee right. We're going to show y'all. But he said it was good. It was just gravy with rice, with, but they, those five crawfish cost a lot of money. So we're going to do it right when they come, when they come to Thibodeau. We're going we're gonna to let them come back, but we are going to get them to come to Thibodeau because they need experience. They need experience real Cajun food, right? All right, so we're gonna start. Isaiah 10, 20 and 21 is the um, scripture that, can you go to 20, verse 20 first? Um, if not, it's okay. Okay. Okay, awesome, awesome. The poor media team, they only get attention like when, when something's not working. And we don't give attention when they're doing something right. So we thank you and we give you. Y'all are awesome. They have the hardest job in the house. But it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him. The remnant shall return even the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God. So God gave me this and he started talking to me and he started saying, this is months ago, I'm looking for a remnant. I'm looking for a remnant in Indiana. I'm looking for a remnant within the Nolings and their church. I'm looking for a remnant. And I started researching more and more in the Bible and it, it talks about in Revelation a remnant that will stand faithful, that will be unshakable pillars for when Jesus returns. And in Revelations 12 and 17, it talks about a remnant that will keep God's commandments. And so in Revelations 12, it talks about, it says, those that keep my commandments. It says, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. And so there in, in the book of um, Revelation, it was, it's, as I began to read in verse 17, it says, a remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, a remnant that overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love their lives, not unto death. And so he, I was begin to pray. He said, I'm looking for a remnant that is able to overcome this world by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, what God's done for them, but a remnant that will lay down their life for me, that will not love their lives even unto death. And it says that because the devil is come down, he knows that his time here is short. So he's looking for a remnant. And remnants are characterized by people who are obedient to the commandments of God, but they possess a unique end-time gospel proclamation. 
There's something in them that's very unique that all they care about is sharing this gospel with this lost and dying world. And they want to be obedient to what God is asking them to do, no matter the cost, no matter if they have to lay down their life. Their goal is to reach the lost with this gospel. And so this remnant, as I began to read, has a mindset on multiplying God's kingdom at all costs. How, not how many people will be at church on Sunday. That's not how a remnant thinks. A remnant thinks, I have to multiply the kingdom of God. I have to multiply myself. I'm a disciple. I need to make disciples. I need to ask God every single day, God, give me divine appointments with people who are truly, truly hungry because I want to reach them and multiply this gospel and spread this gospel. That is the mindset of a remnant. And there was a remnant of believers after Jesus rose from the dead. He came back and he said, listen, he taught them many things. He did miracles, signs, and wonders for 40 days. But he said, I need you to go in an upper room. And I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send you this promise. And it's going to give you the power to live for me. A power to be my witness that when people see you, they're going to witness me. When people hear you speak, it's going to be me speaking through you. When people see what you post on social media, they're going to see Jesus, witness Jesus. He says, I need you to go into a prayer meeting. And I need you to go and wait for my spirit to come and fill you. And many research says it started out with 500 people. But after a few days of praying and waiting, it dwindled down to 120, a remnant of people that said, I'm not leaving here till I get the promise God has promised me. I'm not moving until I get filled. I can't do this in my own strength and in my own power. I need the power of the Most High God inside of me. And so a remnant waited in an upper room and prayed and sought the Lord until his spirit filled them. It's because of this remnant that today in Indiana, we're able to preach this gospel truth. It's because of that remnant in that upper room that we're able to share the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to put it into action, we repent, we're baptized in Jesus' name, and then filled with his spirit. It's because of that remnant in that upper room. And the great commission the remnant heard, not the great suggestion. He said go, which is an action word. But a lot of people in church, we want to come sit in church and wait for people to come to us. But that's not what the word says. He told them, you have to go. This is action. This gospel takes action. And he said, you got to go. And you, then he says, well, you have to go to the lost and introduce them to the one who came to seek and find those that are lost. You need to go to the sick and tell them about the great physician that can heal. You need to go to this lost and dying world and tell them about me, to those that are bound and introduce them to the great deliverer. You have to go. And then the Great Commission says, once you go, then you have to teach them. Right? We can't just walk up and be like, hi. 
You got to love Jesus. No, no. We got to teach them with our actions, with our life, the way we love our husbands and our husbands love us, the way we care for our children, the things we say and do, the lifestyle we live. And then they say, I want what you have. There's something different about you that I want and I need. And then we sit down and begin to teach them about this Jesus. And then it says, and then baptize them in the name. And then it circles back around and it says, teaching them all things that I commanded you. So we have to go to them. Then we have to teach them. Then we have to baptize them in the name. And then we got to teach them some more. That's called discipleship. We have to be disciples who make disciples. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of commitment. But it was a command not a suggestion. And they knew it was a command. And they knew they had to proclaim this to the entire world, whatever the cost. And they knew that with every promise that God made to them, if they would walk in total obedience, that he would supply their every need And he told them, and I'm with you always. You're not doing this on your own. I'm with you. Let me strengthen you. Let me prepare you. Let me provide for you. I'm not, I'm with you this whole time till the end of the world. So a remnant of people filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost now possess something that no devil in hell could stop them and no devil in hell can stop you. You're going to hear the lies of the enemy saying, there's no way you can go to Franklin. There's no way you can, your neighbor can be saved. There's no way your children could be delivered of drugs or alcohol. The devil is a liar because greater is he that's in you than he that has a hold of your child. He that holds, uh, has a hold of Franklin. It, the devil is a liar. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have the power to walk across your territory, your town, and to claim it for Jesus Christ and literally watch the elements move and shift as the spirit room has to let go of the things that have your your loved ones your territory bound see when i walk in a place when i land when a plane lands he knows i'm taking authority over the land because my bible says he'll give me the land he puts my feet So as soon as a plane lands and I get out on that land, I claim this land for you, Jesus. Devil, prince of this land, you cannot have Indiana. You cannot have Franklin. You cannot have this city. I claim it for you and you alone. Prince of this territory, prince of this this area, you have to go in the name of Jesus. You have that power and authority. Don't just get your luggage and find your little Uber. No. You've been sent, whether it's on your job, walking, exercising around your neighborhood when it's not 28 degrees, whatever you do in Indiana, wherever God sends your feet, going to a restaurant. We went to several restaurants. They're talking. Guess what I'm doing? I'm claiming this. Let this be a place that this church can fellowship and have worship nights. God, let this be a place that these Nolings have 
favor and authority. That's what you got to do. You are here not by accident. You're here on a mission from God to reach this lost and dying world and take back the territory that the enemy has stolen. To take back your children that the enemy has a hold on. It is not the will of God that your children be bound in addictions of any type of homosexuality of anything of the world. But you have the authority and power to break those things off of your children and take that authority in the name of Jesus because if you don't the enemy will and I've watched it if you sit back and be lackadaisy of this Christian life the enemy will eat your lunch and your children's lunch and have all of you bound this is warfare this is active warfare the devil takes no days off and neither can you so you got to rise up Man of God, you got to rise up. You got to get the oil and anoint your doors and windows and your children and your wife and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Devil, get out. You cannot have me. You cannot have my family. That mama got to rise up early and anoint her children and pray over her children and claim her children and let them hear your prayers. Let them hear your worship. This is warfare. At the end of the day, we're going to die and wake up dead in heaven or hell. Your children are going to die and wake up dead in heaven or hell. So what you do from now till then decides where they're going to end up. I told my oldest daughter, I will starve to death before you go to hell. You understand me? I will start. I did a 21-day water fast for my oldest daughter because the enemy was fighting her so strong. And I looked her in the eyes. I said, over my dead body, will you die and go to hell? And we watched chain after chain and things just radically happen. Now she's sending scriptures every day to her friends. She's watching sermons and come and re-preach them to us. She's, her Bible is all marked up. She's on fire for God. She's coming to covenant with God. But that came with a cost. That doesn't just happen. Because she's called and set apart and it's been prophesied she'd do greater things than I ever did. You think that that was going to sit back and just let that happen? No. You think the devil's going to sit back and just let your marriage happily ever after? No. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So he needs a remnant of people that rise up and say, not today, Satan. Not today. You cannot have me, my family, my children, my church, my pastor, his children, the city. And frankly, you cannot have it, devil. This takes a unified group effort of a remnant of people ready to go to war for God. So the remnants, they reproduce other remnants. They import a remnant DNA into others. A remnant who prays and fasts not just for themselves, but for other people, till they see something shift in their city, till they see a shift in their family, in their finances. A remnant that prays and fasts and pays the cost till they see a shift in doors open to be part of God's remnant does come with a cost. A remnant who reads the word, stands on the word, and declares the word, and uses this word as a sword of the spirit to cut the head off of the enemy. A remnant who's willing to tear down the strongholds of a city. A remnant who's willing to go to war for their lost loved ones. Many days, I would walk around our downtown area claiming it for God. I would lay hands on every bar. I would lay hands on the police station, the sheriff's station, the courthouse. 
I looked crazy for years. I didn't care. And I mean, I wasn't like, I would just like drag my hand and be praying and speaking in tongues. It was early in the morning before anyone was there. But two bars, one shut down, it's just shut down, and the second one turned into a restaurant. That is the power you have in the name of Jesus, the authority you have. I don't want bars in my town causing alcoholism in young people. But you have the power. We moved into a house. There was a bar on the corner. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I'd walk down every day, praying, praying. Within a few months, the bar shut down. For five years, we lived there. The bar was shut down. We left and moved. The bar reopened. That is the power you have. He says you have power and authority to cast out demons, to tear down strongholds, to take authority, to take the land. This has to be a mindset, a unified remnant mindset of the power and authority you have when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, today is the day of salvation. The Holy Ghost is for everyone. Everyone. And it's going to take everyone. A remnant does not waver. A remnant is disciplined and steadfast. A remnant possesses fire that cannot and will not go out. You won't find a remnant that is lukewarm, casually living for God. Going to church on Sunday just to check off the box that you went to church. The devil is not scared of someone who just goes to church on Sunday. No threat to the devil, none. What he's scared of is someone that gets the message given to them, walks out these doors, and does what God has called them to do and turns their city, their home, their town upside down for the cause of Christ. That's what the enemy is scared of. You'll find a remnant constantly feeding their fire, seeking him with their whole heart. Look at Psalms 63, 1 through 8. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. It, it, I, I, could, I, I love it. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. If you get in this word, you get an appetite for what you feed. Amen. Psalm 63, 1 through 8 says, O oh God, thou art my God. You have power over darkness. You have power over demons. You have power over devils, power over death, cancer, sickness, disease. Oh God, you are my God. And early I will seek thee. Not at the end of the day when you got a little bit of time. But I said yesterday, waking up early in the morning before the sun comes up, getting that manna, that food just for you, before that, that food spoils, you got to get your manna early in the morning and seek his face. My soul thirsteth after thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. That has to be our spirit. God, I am seeking you with my whole soul. I'm so thirsty for you, God. I'm longing for you to see thy power and thy glory. Exodus 33, what he quoted, has been my prayer since I got the call to come to Indiana. God, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me. Show me your glory and hide me in the cleft of the rock. That has been my prayer the whole time. God, to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. 
Thus I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as the marrow in fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed at night, when I'm laying in bed meditating on your goodness of your hand of protection, that I have breath in my lungs, that you're my healer, that you're my deliverer, that you're my strong tower, that you're my refuge, my strength. When I lay in bed at night and meditate on these things because thou has been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Is, can you say that about yourself? My soul is following hard after you, God. Your right hand upholds me. That has to be who we are as a remnant. My soul is following so hard after thee. Nothing else matters. We are just pilgrims passing through. We can't take none of this stuff with us. If anything, these tornadoes showed us in a blink of an eye, he's the Lord that giveth and the Lord that takes away. And he will allow things to shake you and wake you up from your slumber and say, hey, you better wake up. I'm coming back in your house, in your cars, in your job. None of that's going to matter. Are you a bride waiting to meet the bridegroom? Are you ready to meet me? Have you been following hard after me? A remnant knows who they really are up against and that it's not people. So remnants don't allow themselves to be offended by church people because those church people, they're flesh and they got issues. And as long as we got people in the house, people are going to say, do, and and be stupid because we got flesh because they had a bad day. But a real remnant... They are not going to let anyone offend them because they know this battle is a spiritual battle. This battle is not against people. It's a spirit. That person that told you off, that was a spirit telling you off, not a person. That person that's just being ugly and bitter to you, that's a spirit, not a person. A spirit that has a hold of that person that you should be praying and fasting for that God would loose them and set them free. Amen? A remnant. Ephesians 11 13, it says, you know that scripture, Ephesians, that we wrestle not, what? Against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, you got to put on the armor of God because this thing is a spiritual battle. And you're going to war every day. We walking out our house butt naked in the spirit and wondering why the enemy's whipping our tail. Sorry, that's the Cajun in me. I'll get back Indiana. Remnants know who they are and whose they are. Remnants say things like, get behind me, Satan. I must advance the kingdom of God. Remnants say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Remnants say, I'm going to overcome you, devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Remnants resist the devil and make him flee by using the word of God. Remnants stand their ground. Remnants put on the whole armor of God, and they use the sword of the spirit. Remnants use the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Remnants know that every place where their soles of their feet shall tread shall be theirs. Remnants possess a unique end time gospel proclamation within them 
that cannot be shut up. It's a fire shut up within your bones. Remnants are completely persuaded that the gospel is the power of your salvation. And because of this, they will not stop until the whole world knows. Because of this, they do crazy things like quit their jobs and say, God, I'm all in. They pray crazy prayers like, God, you give me a house and a car so I can be completely debt-free to serve you. Remnants are just pray crazy prayers that seem crazy to the world, but then they watch God do everything that because they believe it and they said it and they trust God. John was a remnant. As the other disciples were killed one by one, he was a remnant left. And he pressed into God, and God began to show him what was happening to the current church and what would happen to the future church. If you can bring up Revelations 2 and 4, John's pressing in the last of the remnants. And the Lord confronts the church of Ephesus. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. He's saying, I, you're, you're sleeping. You're just you don't even love me anymore. You're not pursuing me. You don't remember what it was like when I first grabbed a hold of your heart and started convicting you and started this love affair and all you thought about was me and I was saying, come on, my beloved, and you would come and be drawn to me. He said, this thing I have against you because you have left your first love because you're pursuing something other than me. And we think of idol worship as a little gold Buddha statue at the nail salon in the corner. Any idol worship is anything you put over God. Anything you're pursuing harder than you're pursuing Jesus Christ. He says, I'm a jealous God. And I want you to return to your first love of me when you first found me. And he, throughout the different churches, John is talking. He says, I see your good works and you have faith. But some of you are dealing with sexual morality. Some of you are eating the food of idols. We can say intoxication of entertainment. Anything that is not of God, you're allowing and tolerating demonic spirits in your churches. People are coming bound by demonic strongholds and you're letting them leave bound. That's not okay. He said, I gave you power to cast those things out. But you're so casual and you're not in that first love that loves God so much that it's allowing God's spirit to prick you and wake you up and shake you and say, oh, I'm feeling discernment in the spirit. That person, something's not right. I need to go lay hands and pray over them. I mean, it literally in the Walmart takes everything to constrain me to shop and not lay hands on people in Walmart. I mean, I'm doing it in the spirit and I'm praying in the spirit, but a remnant says, God, I want to take as many people with me to heaven as possible. I'm not going alone. I want every single person to know this truth and to walk in it, a remnant. And then he talks about the letter to Laodicea in Revelations chapter three. And this church was rich. They had money. They lacked nothing. But they lacked one thing, and that was running water. This, they were very wealthy, and they were known for their black wool and their eye salve that they would make 
ironically, to help people see. But they had no running water. They had everything they needed, but no running water. Now, neighboring cities had hot springs, and other neighboring cities had cold springs. So they decided in their own strength and power to make aqueducts with, hot st with stones and stone pipes to get water from the hot springs nearby their city. The problem was by the time it mated to Laodicea, the water was lukewarm and unpalatable. They couldn't even drink it. It actually would make them throw up. And at the time when people were sick, physicians used that same lukewarm water to cause people to throw up thinking that would get the sickness out of them. But Revelations 3, 15 and 16, 15 says, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, but I, thou, were cold or hot. So when then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. See, they understood what he was saying. Because they were in a situation, they understood lukewarm water made them vomit. Here are people who have money. Life's good. They chilling, Christian chilling. And I'm going to tell you, casual Christians become casualties. They're not going to make it in the end times. When God strips your money, when a tornado comes and wipes you out, a lukewarm Christian is not going to make it. And he's going to spew you from his mouth. And here are people with money, beautiful wool, eye salve to heal and open people's eyes. And God calls them poor and blind and naked. More than anything, Jesus wants you to be filled with his spirit. And the Bible refers to his spirit as rivers of living water. But we try to tap into Sister, whoever's hot water, or brother, whoever's cold living water, and we think that'll be enough to satisfy us, but it will not work, just like it did not work for Laodicea. And so he closed, he tells them, he says, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover your shame and your nakedness, and I'm going to anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In verse 19, he says, and many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That word zealous means boil. He said, I want you hot for me. I want you on fire for me. I want you boiling for me. I want you zealous for me. But you got to repent and boil for me. And no one can boil for you. You got to be a self-feeder. I'm telling you, all week long, we listen to worship songs, we're listening to sermons, we're writing sermons, we're praying, we're preaching, we're teaching Bible studies. That's how you keep that fire going. There is nothing like sitting across from somebody lost. You start sharing this word, and you literally see the scales fall from their eyes, and they say, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I see it. I see it. I see it. I want, I want this Holy Ghost. I want this Holy Ghost. And then you get to baptize them in a pool or a pond or whatever y'all have here. We have bayous. And and they come up speaking in tongues. That will light your tail on fire. Nothing like it in the world. He says, I'm rebuking the lukewarmness. You're blessed to a curse. And you're cruising through this Christian life. But I need you to be zealous and boil for me. Something happens when we come to ourselves and realize this state. 
that we make Jesus want to puke. That our walk with God, literally he looks down and he's like, I will throw you up. That should wake us up. That should say, I gotta, I gotta get on fire for him. I gotta do something. It's God stir up the gifts within me. You know how you stir up the gifts within me? Praying in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. You start praying in the Holy Ghost through your house, through your home, it starts stirring up a fire. You start reaching the loss of it. And look, the last thing I do is invite people to church. I just feed them. If you feed people, you're gonna get to them. I promise if you can cook good. If not, hire out. I don't care, whatever it takes. We go on our college campus, football players on our football team. I cook for them. We just cook for them. Cook. They eat so much. But guess what? While they're, while they're eating, they're asking questions. And they're asking questions. And we're sharing. And they see the way he treats me. And they see the way I treat him. And they don't come from that background in the inner city of Ninth Ward of New Orleans. It's a life they don't know. It's a life they've never seen. And they say, what is this? Teach us. And then the next thing you know, they both baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, bringing their other football player friends to the church. And they all call me mama, which confuses most of the people in church. <laughs> Big old black dudes, mama. I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to roll with that, right? Because you know why they call me mama? Because I'm loving them and I'm feeding them and I'm giving them what their spirit man has wanted their whole lives, but they never had access. I'm, I'm, I'm boiling and I'm setting them on fire for God. And now they're bringing their friends. We got to reach. The remnant has to reach. We begin to repent, and God starts boiling, setting us on fire. And that's when the revival will break out in your church, in your home, in your city. That is what the devil is scared of. A child of God on fire for him. Verse 20 says, this is what the enemy is most scared of in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. The devil is terrified of a man or woman of God that hears God calling them deeper, calling them higher, calling them to open the door of their heart and allowing God to come in and take over and have his way and that they do what God has called them to do. When, they, when God formed them in their mother's room with a plan and a purpose, they're saying, you have my yes. You can have your way. I'm all in and I surrender. Here I am. That is what the enemy is scared of. He's terrified. So I don't know if spiritually you're the church of Ephesus, just need to return to your first love, or the Laodicea church that's on cruise control. But God said either way, I need you to return to me. I need a first love to develop in me, and I need a fire to be shut up within your bones. I need a remnant. I need a remnant unified that says, God, all I care about is moving this gospel forth, multiplying the kingdom of God. When I looked into Indiana, just because I'm a nerd, and that's, I'm just a geek, and so Indiana's state flag jumped out at me. There's a huge giant torch, and it stands for liberty and enlightenment. And then there's rays representing the far-reaching influence Indiana can make on others. Indiana was the 19th state to join the US. On the state flag, 
There's the largest star is set directly above the flame representing Indiana. And I believe as I looked at that flag that it's a prophetic flag. Maybe the designers did not know they were making it prophetic, but I believe it is because Jesus is the light and we're supposed to be torchbearers, carrying the light for others to see. And on your very flag is a massive torch with flames, with your state right above it. And God's saying, you have to be the light in the darkness. You can make an influence in your city, in this area, in Franklin. That is the will of God. And its rays represent Indiana's far off influence. And I don't care how little or big a church is. If there's a remnant of people, Jesus can be birthed out of that and enlighten this nation, this state, this world. Thibodeau, Louisiana, we are tiny. We are literally in the swamp with bayous all around us. We are Catholic country. Everybody and their mom is Catholic. If you leave the Catholic church, they get mad at you. They don't talk to you anymore. They, they'll cut you off. If you're black, you're Baptist. That's it. And there is a church, an apostolic church, of over 750 people. And last September, over 100 got filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't tell me size does not matter. It's a remnant. It's a remnant of people who believe the word of God. It's a remnant of people who are praying. Our church has prayer 6 a.m. every single day of the week with about 30 to 40 people there. On Saturdays from 9 to 10. On Tuesdays, intercessory prayer for three hours. Last Friday of every month, intercessory prayer for hours. Before every service, the prayer room is full of people warring and praying. It's a remnant. Out of that 750 people who are believing for it to be birthed in the spirit, souls to come in, revival to happen, souls to be filled, it takes a remnant of people completely persuaded that this word of God is the truth and it will happen. If you speak it, if you pray it, and you believe it, you will receive it. But God asked me, where is my remnant? I need a remnant. That's what I need. And so... As I began to look at the, at the flag, I could not help but see that it was the 19th state. And when I looked up 19, it means the judgment of God. And it's no coincidence that for this church, God brought me to the book of Revelations where he's judging the, three, the churches. And he said, one, I'm judging because you're not have returned. I need you to return to your first love. And the other one I'm judging because you're lukewarm. And here, the 19th state is God's judgment. And so Israel in the Bible, the promised land of Nephtalo was made up of 19 cities by no chance. Most of them, it created Israel, modern day Israel. And those 19 cities, out of it, Isaiah prophesied and he said, out of this, it's been much battle and much war but it shall be with burning and a fuel of fire. And then he says in verse 6, for unto us a child's going to be born. Out of this remnant, there's going to be a child born. And unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, 
the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And then the prophecy in Matthew records, he says, the people who were sitting in darkness have seen a great light. And those who are sitting in the realm in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. The Messiah that this, these 19 cities, that the Messiah was pro being prophesied about would come forth, happened in Matthew when Jesus was born. So let me reword this for you. People are sitting in darkness all around you. But if you catch on fire for him and carry his light, they will see it and those people who are literally laying in the shadow of death, in the shadow of hopelessness, of depression, of addiction, of sin, the light in you will raise them up and will influence them and the Jesus in you will give them hope and cause them to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. But you gotta believe that. And Indiana's motto was taken in 1937. Anybody know what your state motto is? Now that's a shame. The Crossroads of America. Oh yeah. I believe this church, God told me, is at a crossroads. You'll be the church of Ephesus, the church of Laodicea, or the third one, the church of Philadelphia. He is ready for you to make up your mind, to repent and return to your first love, and ask him to set you on fire for him because he's coming back for a bride in love with him, on fire for him. He's coming back soon. And every time I would go and pray for this church and the Nolings and everything dealing with, with this trip, God would tell me this one thing. I'm sending you with keys. I'm sending you with keys. And keys unlock things for people to walk through. And God told me, I'm looking for a remnant. All I need is a remnant. But he gave me these three churches in the book of Revelations to speak to you today. The last church he told me to say is the church of Philadelphia. This church had experience, and this is months ago God gave me this, an earthquake, a natural disaster that devastated the people and birthed fear in the people and anxiety. A natural disaster that leveled buildings and affected their livelihoods, shaking them to the very spirit, shaking the very spirit realm. Now I did not know there would be tornadoes, but God said, tell them I want them to be the church of Philadelphia. And this church experienced this massive earthquake that was, that was devastating and put fear. But God didn't want them operating in fear and anxiety and insecurities. So he assured them of a spiritual protection that he would give them under the authority of Jesus Christ. And when I got to this verse, Revelations 3 and 7, the word leaped off the page. I was in total awe. In Revelations 3 and 7, it says, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that have the key of David. That key is the authority of Jesus Christ. And it says, He that openeth, 
and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man open. Then in Revelations 3, 7 and 13, and I'm closing, I'd ask that you stand to your feet.